0: I think all of us as teachers need to be able to duplicate ourselves, especially when it comes to answering questions that kids ask a lot. Do you have certain questions like that that you get all the time? We just had open house at my kids' um, 6 through 12 magnet school in Oklahoma City on Thursday, and we had 10 minutes with each teacher, which is great. It's good to do. We had eight periods. But one of the things that I realized sitting there in the sessions was... I'd love to show more of our teachers how to do this, how to make a narrated slideshow, because 10 minutes is just not enough time to be able to share the things that we want to with parents. And there's always the situation where you get that question again. I said it in class. I told it once. So a couple years ago, when I was teaching undergraduate students at the University of Central Oklahoma, I had been doing some of this, but the aha really came on because I had, um, you know, I had 50 kids in two sections and I realized if I can answer some of these questions really well and I can make a video, it's not that I don't want to answer each student's question thoroughly, I do, but I can duplicate myself. So we're going to talk about creating narrated slideshows. If you want to go to this link, this will take you to a page with a lot of resources about creating narrated slideshows. We also have the main um, mapping media page that that you can go to, and um, the examples and a lot of those resources are are available uh, for you to check out. In addition, the last two summers, I've led what I've called iPad media camps, which are three-day workshops for teachers where we just create media together. And the first day, the entire focus is this, creating a narrated slideshow. And you can go to that website and click on apps at the top. And you can see the apps that we uh, use. We use free apps as well as some apps that that are paid apps. You can also go to the curriculum and access all the resources and all of this is available. Um, I believe as teachers, we need opportunities like that to be able to play and create. And so, praise God, that's what we have chances to do today in the afternoon, right? You're going to have a chance to get out apps to to play with them to use them my job being here is to help you so things that you've heard this morning things that we talk about now we'll have a chance to play with those this afternoon and and use those apps another way that you can get to those resources is um, i do use twitter a lot and so i just tweeted and you don't have to have a twitter account to go to a twitter page but if you go to my twitter account you can um, find the link that I just shared to this session and then a little earlier this morning, I had scheduled this tweet to, to share the presentation slides. Um, and on my main website, you can click handouts and you'll be able to get to these. If I was gonna give you a homework assignment for this year, this is it, okay? And when it comes to technology integration, it's to play with media. That's why I titled my first book, Playing With Media. We have to play with these tools in order to get comfortable with them and step in front of students with them. And so um, we've got some chances to do that today, and I think that is great. Darren Karpatwa, who's a friend of mine who is in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and is a math teacher, um, put this slide into a collection of photos and and quotations talking about education. And you probably have encountered this uh, in MLTI. Uh, We have this all the time in Oklahoma classrooms that aren't one-to-one. Folks see a technology device like a laptop or an iPad mainly as a way to do research, mainly as a way that we look stuff up. And we totally can do that. I do that all the time. The ability to Google and search for things and get answers is is huge. It's very powerful. But Darren says, and I agree with him, that you're missing the best part if that's your main idea of thinking about the Internet. Because the internet is a place to connect and it is a place to create and a place to share. I think of the internet to a large extent like I see this stage right here. This stage gives me a platform today to share ideas with you. The internet can be a stage and a platform for you to share your ideas with students and for your students to share their ideas back to you and then with others as well. So um, to start out with, I'm going to give you uh, 60 seconds to brainstorm this with your neighbor. And you may not know your neighbor, so I want you to introduce yourself to your neighbor if you don't know them. Um, What are some of the reasons why teachers do not let students create things in class? Okay, The reasons why we don't let students do this. Go. Now, I didn't have this in the presentation, but actually, we didn't get very many hands earlier. How many of you have used Padlet before to get student responses? Has anybody used it? Okay, let's do this right now. I am going to um, log in to, to my my Padlet, um, which I've created, and this is free to use, and I'm going to say build a wall. And what I want to do is modify this, so I'm going to put a title on it and I'm going to say why you can't create and I'm going to click address and I'm going to um, make this address something that we can easily remember and it says it has to be at least six characters So, um, I'm going to put August. Okay, RSU 5. I don't know, is there something else I should do instead of, can I make that longer? ME, maybe? Yeah, there you go. RSU 5, is that what you said? Okay. So, one of the things you probably don't want to do a lot of in class is be giving web addresses to students and saying, here, type this in, right? Because it's easy to get a web address wrong and it's just, a, it's just an easy way to waste time. In fact, if you wanna waste time with kids, give them lots of web addresses um, to type in to their device and then also have them search for a lot of images in class, right? Those are great ways to waste time. Okay, I'm gonna put this up on the, well, maybe I can make it even bigger. Put this up on the screen and if you'll go to the safari browser right now on whatever or any browser that you have and you'll put in that address you'll put in padlet.com wall rsu5me and that's me right and me did i get that right okay. what this is going to let us do is have individual people have any of you Tap on the screen if you're on the iPad, click on the screen if you are on the laptop and have a mouse, and then just type an answer. Okay, this is this used to be called Wallwisher, and now it's called Padlet, and it is a way that you can have your students sharing ideas. There's different ways of talking about this or thinking about it. One way is like a back channel. It's another place for us to be sharing. While well, people are going there. What are some of the reasons why we're not going to let students create in class or do this activity? Tell me out loud. What would be some reasons? Uh, it takes time. It's not always going to work right. Uh, we don't always feel confident. That gets back to the playing with media idea. But you know what? I play with this stuff a lot and it messes up for me sometimes, too. So there's uncertainty. What are some other reasons we might not let them create? What's that? should just be able to tap. If you double tap, and then you can start typing. Yeah. And, I mean, questions are going to come up, right? One of the myths of teaching today is that I have to have every answer. I need to know all of it. Do you know what? If we limit today's learning to what's in my brain... I'm basically committing a crime because there is so much more we can learn when we expand the walls of our classroom, access content beyond this room. You know a lot. I know a lot. But there's so much more out there. So that's a reason why sometimes we don't let kids create because questions are going to come up. I don't know how to use Padlet. I haven't done it before. What else? Let's put technology aside. Not even thinking about technology. What are some reasons why we don't let kids create? It's messy. it's messy. And a lot of times in education, we like neat, clean, row-based learning. Look around you in this room, right? These, these chairs are pretty neat. Wouldn't you agree? Can we change that easily? Not without a toolkit, right? Right? And in my ideal classroom, we're going to have tables and chairs. We're going to be able to move stuff around. It's not just going to be row-based learning because a lot of real learning is messy. Have you ever had a principal or an administrator who expected all the kids to be quietly and attentively taking notes every time they came in your room? Have you had that principal before? And if there was group work going on or there was class discussion going on, They were suspicious because that wasn't what learning was supposed to look like. Our model of learning can sometimes be very fixed and it doesn't involve creating. Am I taking a risk right now doing Padlet? Yeah, why am I taking a risk? What do I not know? That's right. What else? Do I know what you're going to write? Do I know if you're going to make good choices right now? Yeah, this is my Padlet. This is the one that I've created. And there is a way, I'm pretty sure, that you can do some, some moderation. Got a little back channel here. Someone said, Hi, Celine. Where's Celine? Hi, Celine. <laughs> so are you the only one who right now can move that around? Because once I posted just my name, I meant to make a comment. Correct. I couldn't believe that once it was up. Correct. So the way that this one is set up, I think, and I can go into the settings here, I think it is basically kind of a a, a post and then it's read-only. So, I have the ability as the Padlet owner. I think I can change that. It's kind of like a Google document. I'm going to say modify this wall and I'm going to look at privacy settings. So, this is a hidden link. And yeah, there I could, if I wanted to, choose to moderate posts. Posts will require approval by one of the moderators before they show up on the wall for other people to see. I just have this open. I didn't change this.
1: Also- Yes,
0: so that's where I choose what I'm um, allowing people with the link to do, viewing, uh, writing, and moderating. By default, it lets everybody write, but not moderate, which would mean approve content and or edit, delete content. I, after we do this activity, I could go ahead and switch this to view, and then anybody who has... Um, look at that, somebody was fancy... Um, I could I can make it read only. So But you, you can this tab, something Yep. It's yep, yep. I just like I mean, okay, hi Celine, that's not inappropriate, but it's a little off task. So I'll just click trash can, That's yeah. okay. has So yes. Could you have a student doing this? Absolutely. Do you have a laptop or another computer in your classroom that they could be on? Do you have a desktop computer or is it just an iPad? You Have a laptop, okay? So it, you you possibly could have a student who would assist in that process, but here's a here's a great example of, I, of of why of why we need to blend learning and some of the power of that, because there are far more ideas that are up here on this board right now than we would have had time to share orally, out loud, and that's almost always the case. Um, so loss of control. Um, loss of resources, um, kids not using their time appropriately, um, problems with technology, control. Uh, how would this keep kids on task? Um, it's a lot easier to run a prison, I think, than a, a good learning environment. I've had a chance, we have a nonprofit in Oklahoma called Redeeming the Family, and we go into prisons, uh, we have, like, the highest incarceration rate of females, I think, in the nation. And um, the, the whole focus of the project is to let parents read books to their kids and record messages, because if kids are in contact with their incarcerated parent, they do better in school. So that's the whole focus of it. And I've only done that one time. I, I got to go in April to one of our private prisons. Uh, hopefully have a chance to go to some more this fall. But... Um, We've got to help equip kids to make good choices. You know, what do many of those adults recording messages for their kids in prison say? Don't make the mistakes that I made. Make good choices. I want you to work hard. I want you to, you know, learn to make the right choices. So, we taking a risk with this? Yes, we are. It's a hidden link, so it's not a public one that the world is going to find when they come to my website. But being able to use tools like this enables us to hear more voices and hear what students are thinking and then to practice good digital citizenship which means we're trusting you with an expensive device right your use of that device not only reflects on you and on your family but on our classroom and on our school and maybe even on the state of maine because guess what people are watching us and so those conversations are important to be having on an ongoing basis Learners need to make stuff. Can you think of a teacher you had in school where basically class was entirely forgettable? Where you can't remember much at all of what you did? Let's take the opposite of that. Can you remember a class where you did a project or you did an activity and you could tell me right now who you did that with, what your project was, what it was about? Because you did stuff. You made things. When we think about Bloom's taxonomy, and we think about any kind of creation, which can include narrated slideshows and and screencasts like we're talking about today, I think we not only need to ask, are they creating, but are they engaging deeply with ideas? Because it's pretty easy to just take a couple pictures, throw some audio on, and create something, but it might not reflect any kind of deep thinking or engagement with with the ideas that that we're presenting in class. So please remember that all of this starts with you, your skills, and your courage. It takes courage to to, to take a risk like this, to use a new tool with your students. And I would encourage you to be blatantly honest with them. Say, hey, we're going to try something new. I saw this demonstrated at a workshop we just did. Um, This is a way for us to... Share our ideas and we need to talk about this. We need to talk about how this is going to work and the responsibility we have. Because, you know, if this doesn't work, if this blows up, if I get a phone call from a parent tonight angry because there was profanity. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but if I get an angry parent calling me, I may not try this again. And we need to be trying new ways to be sharing our ideas and learning together. So, uh, before I get to an instructional example, let's just get to a, a home example. What did you give for Father's Day or Mother's Day last, last time that holiday rolled around? Who thought they had a great gift? Come on, somebody did. What was your gift? Say again. Blueberry mush? A bush. You mean they like planned a blueberry bush? Cool. So, like, yeah, so so that was what you gave then? Was a blueberry bush? Yeah. That's awesome. Did you all go plant that as a family? That's awesome. And has it has it borne fruit since it was planted? Oh, they did. So are you gonna get a net to put over? That's right. Okay. We had friends in Itasca, Texas that had blueberries and that yeah, they had a net because you didn't have the net. Guess what happened? They all got eaten, but not by you. Okay. Uh it takes time to come up with a thoughtful present, right? Yes. Here's a present that all of us can give. And it is the gift of our voice or our children's voices with pictures. Uh, this video is unlisted on YouTube. What does that mean? It's, well, it is shared. It's not public. It's just like an unlisted phone number, right? If you have an unlisted phone number, can I call you right now? If I have your number, sure, but I have to have your number to call you. So YouTube lets you share videos in three ways, publicly, unlisted, and private. Private means I've got to have your email account, your Gmail account, in order for you to see it. But unlisted is kind of nice in this context, because this was made for my mom on Mother's Day last year. And I'm not going to play the whole thing, uh, but just I'll play a little bit of it, and... What I want you to think about is the value of this, and why on earth is West sharing this Mother's Day video? What What's the purpose here?
1: Hi, Happy Mother's Day, Nana. Um, We're at our house, and we I wanted to do this picture, and that's what I'm looking forward to. So I'm really excited about coming to your house in the summer for Camp Nana, and. I really enjoy coming, and I hope you
0: have a really good Mother's Day. And I hope you will be okay. I think that's it. I think I cut off the video there. Um, What? Why did I show that? What's your homework? To play with media. I want you to think about playing with these tools. For things that have a personal purpose, like giving a Mother's Day or a Father's Day present or a birthday present. Do you think I scored any points with my mom with this? Okay, each of our three kids chose a picture, talked a little bit about their memory, shared a little message. Yeah, absolutely. This was a very awesome Mother's Day present. And is this something you can do? Absolutely, You have a device in your hand or under your seat or, you know, somewhere where you could do this on your laptop, on your iPad. Think about visual literacy and digital literacy as a menu of options. I think we do ourselves a disservice sometimes when we just look at these vast projects that are going to take forever or take a long time to do. We're like, well, that's what, you know, digital literacy is going to be. That's what technology integration is going to be. You can start small and build to something that's longer. And I actually have started to use the graphics in this way to talk about menu thinking. You can simply take some pictures and tell a story with those pictures. And those pictures, if you want, could become a narrated slideshow. Or they could become a quick edit video or a puppet video. Or you could eventually make them into a digital story or an ebook. This is an actual slide used for a Pentagon briefing in April of 2010. And this was an article in the New York Times called We Have Met the Enemy and He is PowerPoint. The purpose of this slide was to explain our strategy in Southwest Asia. And even though that's small, I could have made that full size, and I bet no one in the room would have been able to read the text and process everything that's on that slide. Um, This is one of my favorite videos uh, By Don McMillan Who's seen this Life After Death by PowerPoint Really? Just a couple? Um, I think what do we have? We have till 10 after Is that right? No, we have till till 1130 Okay I will warn you That he does say the word hell in this Um, But he says this better in four minutes And I don't think I do the whole thing But anyway, he does such a great job We'll we'll take a look at this Um, Did I not put that in? Oh, all right. I thought I put that in my slideshow. By the way, how do you how do you put video like that in your in your keynote if you want to make sure that it plays fast and all that? Um, you you could. There's there are some different websites that allow you to download videos. The one that I've been recommending to teachers the most recently is called KeepVid. Now, from a copyright standpoint, this would be a short-term thing, right? I'm not going to keep this video forever, but I can um, click download, and I can um, download the video um, so that it's going to... I guess I have to put in the... eh, I would have to install Java on this. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm just going to play it off YouTube. Um, One other thing I'll mention, though, on YouTube. Um, Have you ever had... That's terrible. Distracting things that come up when you play a YouTube video for students? Can you all play YouTube videos for students? Okay. Do you ever have that happen where there's distracting stuff that comes up? Okay. So, this is a website called QuietTube. It's just quiettube.com. What happened to this video when I clicked my QuietTube... Little link here. It stripped out all the related videos and all the comments and everything like that. So, anyway, here we go. There's some things I hate about
1: PowerPoint, and I figure it's kind of my duty to point them out. So, here we go. There's common PowerPoint mistakes. Number one, uh, people think that every word they're going to say on their PowerPoint slides. You need to memorize your talk. So ultimately, out to the this slide, crowded or any boring. You will lose your audience's attention before you even reach the bottom of your uh, first slide. Please don't do that anymore, please. Uh, number two, most common. Many people do not run a spreadsheet. <laughs> Pick a stack. I think I can go super early, seven errors. He's got and the sun. And finally, I hate this. Uh, avoid excessive bullet pointing. Only bullet key points. Too many bullet points. And your key messages will not stand out. In fact, the term bullet point comes from people firing his guns at anointing presenter. <laughs> M.C. bullet points. Uh, bank schemes, not good. (laughs) Classy background and PowerPoints can lead to distraction, confusion, headache, nausea, vomiting, and loss of bladder control. I can't stay on that one too long. Here's something I've noticed. Uh, The number of PowerPoint slides you have in your talk, uh, the less uh, useful your talk actually is. Unfortunately, uh, my presentation is right there. <laughs> also, because people love to pack data in their presentation. They shove more and more data thinking it's better, but it's not. The more data you have, the harder it is to read your slide, and the effectiveness locks. Now you can, you can improve the effectiveness by adding some shading and some 3 effects, <laughs> and some second order and third order effects. <laughs> I don't know, let's add some labels that will help a lot. I and mean, that's pretty much every marketing slide I've ever seen over there. This is not a BB marketing standard, right? It's real clear in Q4. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> now, I'm into uh, animation. People become animators in power. You can have these fly all over the place. And so that could be good. If you're a visual learner, that will the effectiveness of the performance. But if you're easily distracted, more animations than people have no idea what you're talking about. Wow, that is cool. And it's really easier, by the way. There's the uh, simple but effective region. There's the active and confusing, the effective and boring, the active and ineffective, the dull but stabbed region, the busy and useless, the ADDR region, the uh, useful but amusing, the stupid confusing, the dull triangle, the hyper triangle, the swingy square, the busy pentagon, and everything else like this, uh, I just call pointless motion. That's why they're me and I don't want
0: to have to make it up PowerPoint
1: is
0: just a lot about <laughs> it, <laughs> Okay, so there's more. There's a, well, we'll do a font analysis. So I'll up with this. This
1: is kind of a little side of it. It's called font analysis. Basically, the font you choose says something about who you are as a person. There's a huge list of fonts. You choose one, and that says something about you. So be careful the font you choose. For example, if you choose Terry or New, uh, it's not to see my favorite, uh, you're probably already as instructed. If you choose Matisse, it means you're artistic. And if you choose Time to Roman, it means you're lazy, apathetic, and unmatched, sure and you don't want to use the default. <laughs> <laughs> I A lot of Time you run people, wasn't it? And we got some more. Uh, do you use spring hits uh, you are know, a horrible fellow, so you try to hide it with a hundred marks. <laughs> very smart. You've got you use God, but it very bad on your left. And so you choose when you make it and earn it, you have no life. In fact, if you know what those
0: symbols mean, you will never have a date, trust me. Come on. Okay, so there's four minutes and twenty five seconds of Don McMillan talking about PowerPoint of View. So, what do we do about that? Um, Gar Reynolds, have you read this book Presentations End Wants to change this, I want to change this Gar doesn't want to make us all Buddhists What he wants to do is have us use Visual presentation tools to present Visual images predominantly Not a lot of text So a couple years ago In 2010, Gar had this post on his blog Called A Long Time Ago Before Death by PowerPoint Do you remember this scene? What was the year? 1977 What's the film? Episode Four: a New Hope. Now, here's the real trivia question: Who's the general? General Dodonna. I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't read this post. But what does General Dodonna do before they are going to attack the Death Star? He has this awesome, you know, simulation where they see how they're going to go into the trench and where they're going to go and where the gun turrets are. If it was PowerPoint, this is what his slide would look like: the battle station is heavily defended, and we've got you know small one-man fighters. Should be able. Boring. Don't insult your audience by reading your slides. And many, many times in school, when we have presentations that we share as teachers and that students create, we violate many of these rules about presentations. Is it horrible to ever have text on a slide? No, it's not. But this is a visual presentation medium, and if I'm using it to predominantly share text, then we go back here to this slide, and we're making the error that Pentagon briefers were making in 2010 when they were trying to explain our strategy in Southwest Asia. And perhaps there were more problems with that strategy than just the fact that they had too much text on that slide, but I won't I won't go there. So uh, here's an example of a five photo story. This is a personal example, um, but there are many, many instructional examples that you can take. For me, on my journey of using digital tools, This was important because my friend Karen um, had this project on Flickr called uh, Tell a Story with Five Photos. And so um, Rachel, when she was three, had a haircut, and we took pictures, and she said, why don't you have Rachel talk about that? And so we put it into a tool called VoiceThread, and this is what, well, and I don't have that linked either. Um, It was very cute uh, to be able to have her uh, sharing her haircut story. Um, Who knows about Pecha Kucha and that model of presentation? A couple hands. Um, Who's been in a classroom with students where they're presenting a PowerPoint or a keynote and it goes on too long? Have you been there before? It's really easy for that to happen. So there's a couple models that we can use for presentations that can address this. The Pecha Kucha started in in nightclubs in Japan with young geeks who wanted to share ideas quickly. 20 slides, 20 seconds per slide. Alright? All right. It auto-advances. There's another model called the Inspire model, which is 15 slides. Now, if you have more, more that you want to say than 15 seconds, you can just have a, another slide. But there are lots of examples of this, and as I've taught pre-service teachers and we've talked about presentation skills, this is a model that we've used, and I think it's a great one to you know, help students because what do you have to do when your slides automatically advance... Every 20 seconds. You've got to rehearse. And you've got to move on. And your presentation isn't going to go 10 minutes. It's going to be done at, what, 6 minutes and 40 seconds or whatever we do that math. It's done. And that's beneficial for me as a teacher because we've got to get going through these presentations. And it also encourages the use of the visual tool. So, let's take a look at some examples of some narrated slideshows that students have created. Um, Last Year and a half, I worked in Yukon, which, if you know Garth Brooks, you've heard of Oklahoma. That's Yukon claims Garth as a home, uh, not as a homeboy, but as a as a hometown hero. Um, he lives in Tulsa now, but Yukon uh, is one of our suburbs to the west of Oklahoma City, and we have a website that lists all these different interactive sites that teachers are 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 building. EduCreations is a tool that I'm going to demonstrate today um, how to use. How many of you have used this tool before? Who's created a narrated slideshow before on their iPad? Has, have, have you done that? What apps have you all used to do that um, before? Anybody remember any of those apps? Show Me, okay? Show Me is a a good one um, because it's free and it also hosts it for you like EduCreations. So you don't have to put it on YouTube. You just create an account on the Show Me site. Um, You have to put pictures over pictures with Show Me. EduCreations lets you load up different images. Anybody else have another app that you've used? This is my favorite one uh, because it's free and it's very flexible so that's the one that I'm going to demonstrate um, I'm going to sh- play this this video this is a two minute and 14 second narrated slideshow and uh, this is the one I mentioned in the keynote um, that my daughter uh, worked on for a science science class as we watch this and we've got our audio um, I want you to try and identify um, what would you consider to be positive about this about this video? Um, if there's anything that's a best practice of this, what do you see in this presentation that you think you'd like to see your students do or or mimic um, in their own narrated slideshows? I have yet to your goal, A.K.A. the, the
1: and Volcano, by Natalie Matson, Ryder Coates, and Sarah Fryer. On April 14, 2010, A.F. the Yettbeer-Yorkul, the Icelandic volcano, erupted after 200 years of being dormant, causing a massive ash cloud to shift on airports in northern and western Europe. A.F. the Yettbeer-Yorkul in southern Iceland. It is 4,5466 5,466 feet in the air, and first erupted in the 1820s. The V.E.I. on the eruption is 4, classified as and Ashton's view of the volcano, our fantasy friends, they shut down all of the airports in Europe, which has never happened before. The volcano erupted with pyroclastic flows, which are fast waves of extremely hot gas and rocks, which is very quickly. The volcanic act is made of polarised rock and can stop jet engines from working. Ida Fiat was declared dormant in October 2010, after two months of inactivity. However, there is still zero deer activity in the area, and Ida Fiat or its sister volcano Cadillac, may erupt again. Other than piles of ash and rocks and craters, there are no new landforms that have been formed. Though there is geothermal energy, it is not being used at the time. The many benefits of IAPN and IAP are rich and fertile soil, valuable minerals, beautiful views, and maybe sometime in the future, tourism and more land that wants to lava pools. The end. <laughs>
0: okay, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna swap over to my iPad, and I've pretty much been presenting with my laptop most of today, uh, but I want to show you um, some of these apps and, and how to use these. My favorite current app that I know about for uh, timing things in class is called Timer Plus. I've actually I brought uh, a plug, uh, a dongle, to plug my iPad in. And for some reason, the, um, the plug we're using, the color is just a little bit off. So you'll have to just kind of bear with that. That should be a little bit brighter. But this is a free app in the App Store. It doesn't have a space between Plus and Timer. It's just Timer plus, And I really like this because um, it uh, it's simple, it's free, and it has fun little... Um, Little timings that we can have. I think this one's charged. So you're going to have 60 seconds. Talk to your neighbor. What did you see in that last video on IFE at UYRCL that you would consider to be uh, a real, real positive, or even a, maybe a best practice for narrated slideshows? Go. Yes, it keeps on going off until you tap it. So Mm -hmm. to bring up the resources that that we've been talking about, I'm going to go to Google and I'm just going to type in into Google mapping media. I've been working on the Mapping Media project for the last year and posting about it, so I'm quite thrilled that out of like 92 million hits, it's the first one that you should see. Google does customize results for you, but even when you do it, um, you're not logged into your Google account. It seems, this seems to work, and I'm going to tap that fifth, no sixth button there that says Narrated Slideshow Screencast. So this is the web page where. You can see the definition of what a Narrative Slideshow Screencast is, a suggested workflow for how you might set this up and use it, and then different tools that you can use depending on what you have. Some of them are iOS, like Show Me and um, Explain Everything and EduCreations. Others are going to be browser-based or they're going to require software. And then you've got links to to these videos. So the narrated slideshow one that we just saw is linked here uh, for IFE at Yirkel. So you so we could click on it. And I think I'll actually just turn my volume all the way down, and I'm going to have this play as we are doing it. This is a technique that I have found out that I like a lot when we're going to talk about media is we can watch something together. And we can turn, pair, and share, and then we'll discuss it. And let's just have it play back in the background. As we're having our discussion about it, we'll, it'll just play in the background. So what were some things you saw in this video that you liked, that you thought were good for a narrated slideshow? Rehearsed so that
1: the voice
0: is clear. Clearly rehearsed, right? And you could hear sometimes the slowing down of the pyroclastic, or Natalie especially as she's saying, I the yet but... It was it was pronounced correctly and it was enunciated. Um, I mean, it was the pronunciation was correct. What else? Yes. Talk a little bit about that. You said the balance between the speakers. Why do you think that was important instead of just having one student do all the talking? Yes,
1: it's
0: important because the 80-20 twenty of the people to work. So, from a participation standpoint, because we had all the voices of the students in that group participating. We have a little more insight into the work that was done. We don't know, we don't know, you know what that exactly divvied up to, but everybody did participate in the reading of it. And that's something important too for Common Core. Sometimes with projects we'll, we'll say, well, you know, you may not be really into this part, so you can opt out and do this. At some point, we need, there are some things we all need to practice, right? I think we all need to be able to sign our name well. I didn't do this this summer, but I wanted to have a workshop with my kids like, here, let's practice signing your name. We need to be able to do that well. But oral communication, being able to verbally express ourselves, depending on the situation, maybe, I mean, maybe there's, the student is mute. Maybe they're not going to be able to do that at all. But having students participate and being able to verbally express and put their best foot forward. Rehearse until they get it right and let us hear the finished version, the polished version is a strong point. What else? Yes? Say that again? Ah, yes. Attribution. There is confusion today, rampant confusion about copyright, and in some cases, we will have folks that will say things like, you can never use. That book cover or you can never, you know, with copyright, it depends on your use. What are you doing with it? And there's four things that go into determining fair use. And that's a conversation. We give credit for images and for articles and for things like that, um, not primarily to keep the copyright police away, but because that's what we do as academics. As academics, we cite our sources. And if I got ideas from you, then I'm going to give a link. And that also helps us as a researcher. Having now written a dissertation and not wanting to do another one, um, I know that it's very helpful when someone cites their sources and you can go to that article. I did my dissertation on a phone casting project in a freshman health class. All the kids at UCO have to take a, a health class. And so I worked with a professor and she had students... Uh, assigned different weeks and they would record a summary of what that lecture was about in less than five minutes and what would be on the test probably about that. And they did that with their phones. Well, I was really interested in phone casting. Like, who's doing phone casting? And when I found an article that was about that and it referenced the resource, guess what? I went and found that source. So it's important for our students to understand why we do attribution and then also to do it in a meaningful and useful way. A lot of times if we just scroll really fast down you know, at the very end, that might or might not help us. Ideally, we should be able to click on the link and go to that site. Now, we can't do that with this YouTube video. Um, YouTube does have the ability to let us um, put in annotations where we can make things clickable. Another tool that I use a lot and I used it today to share my presentation slides is called SlideShare. So, if I click on the link that tweeted out earlier this morning. Okay, slides for my presentation today in Freeport. This is on SlideShare, which is a place that you can share your slides and then you can also even record audio. And if you scroll down to one of these links, just to make sure, um, and I think that's, actually, this is the difference between the iPad version and the, and the computer. On the computer, you can actually uh, go to these links and you can click on them. And it's Oh, no, it is. Yay, look at that. It's going to work. And I can actually click that link and go to where that image came from. So, attribution is something important. It's something we need to model. And, you know, these kids did a good job of it in this presentation, right? Because they have those links on that picture. What else? Would somebody like to speak to the idea of text on the screen? Or lack of text?
1: Right.
0: And do you think they had a script? Oh, absolutely, right? They had research. They, they even had note cards for this one, right? But they were not simply reading what was off the screen. And why is that beneficial to us as an audience? It's much more interesting. Much more interesting to look at these images and to be able to hear ideas about them than to just see bulleted text or a paragraph of text on the screen. Um, And why are we doing this? Why are we using media? Hopefully it is to communicate better. And if I have a chance to use images and media when I communicate with an audience, I can be, I think, much more effective than if I was just using my voice. Okay. When you hear somebody giving a lecture with no media at all or a sermon or anything, how long does it take before your mind starts to wander? How long? You know, we'll sometimes just talk about these kids, these kids, and they can't even listen to this lecture. But seriously, our minds will wander pretty quickly. So you use media to focus, to get attention, and also to trigger thinking about the concept. Because there's stuff you're seeing on the screen that's not necessarily in the text that they're they're speaking. Any other thoughts or comments about this project?
1: Yes So what, we, what is from a teacher's point of view what are they, what are the students trying to demonstrate?
0: So in this particular assignment the science teacher had a rubric. And each student, and I didn't even give you any of that background, but they had a volcano that they were assigned to research, and they had things about the volcano they needed to find out, and they needed to present that information to the class. So this particular assignment was following a rubric where, where they did a different volcano, and, and it was kind of a typical research project with, here's the things I want you to research, but then they chose how to present this. Now, their teacher didn't require them to do a narrated slideshow and a video, and the part of the backstory to this is, uh, two years ago, was the first year in Oklahoma City, teachers were allowed to use YouTube to show this to, to show students. And when my daughter brought this link to class, um, her teacher actually freaked out and got really angry at her and said, you cannot do this. I can't believe you've done this. My daughter calls me crying on the phone. Dad, we, you won't let us see our presentation. Um, I'm in trouble. And so I called the principal and left a message. I said, can you please go to... classroom, They're trying to show a YouTube video. And I know that this has been authorized and permitted. It's the first time this has happened, but it was more traumatic than it needed to be. It should have been less traumatic because they'd already recorded it and they'd already done that. All the other students in the class gave an in-class oral presentation. They had their PowerPoint up, they did their talking, and it was just live. This particular group is the only one that did the video. But of course, it also means the learning isn't just limited to that class period. Because we got to see it today. Other people can see it. Um, you know, and I think this is, this is a light bulb that I want to help come on for, or help turn on for more people. Is like, oh my gosh, if I record this, I can duplicate myself and, and I could use it next year. Or I could show it to next class period. Or, you know, that, that the power of being able to record media like this for free, put it on YouTube. There's no additional charge. And guess what? Suddenly, as long as this site is not blocked, anyone with a mobile device or a laptop can access it and see it. That's really mind blowing and how powerful. Do you remember when it was hard to put video online? Any of you remember this that day was not very long ago and it still takes some steps, but the number of steps it takes is, is less. But the teacher came up with the assignment. She came up with the rubric. You know, she had the specifications for what she wanted the kids to learn. This was the way they chose to demonstrate it. But they didn't have to necessarily, they didn't have to do it in this form. I'm also not gonna say this is like the most wonderful narrated slideshow ever made, okay? In fact, I don't even think this is a digital story. This is really digital telling, facts, 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 right? We do a lot of that in in school. Could they have found some interesting stories about the volcano, you think? Absolutely. There's a guy in our scout troop who (laughs) ferries aircraft all over the world for very wealthy clients, and he flies these really, you know, super expensive, like Steve Jobs cost, you know vehicles or uh, air- airplanes, he got stuck in Europe um, when this happened because he, they could not fly and he couldn't take off because of the ash cloud that was up there. And so, you know, I bet they could have talked to him and he could have told some interesting stories or there would have been other ways to get, to get stories. So this isn't necessarily an example of a digital story, but it, it is, I think it does have some of those elements of an effective narrated slideshow. And um, I would encourage you to use it and use others with your students as well um, as we try to help students learn to create better, better media and um, be able to explain things better with media. Okay, well what I'm going to do, I've got a few more slides and then I'm going to go to the iPad and demonstrate... Um, two different apps, my two favorite narrated slideshow apps. A first, a free one, and then this one. There are three apps that, if you were just going to buy three apps on your iPad and that's it, this is one of them. Okay, the apps would be iMovie. Is, is I love iMovie. It's so flexible, and there's so much you can do with it. I love Book Creator, which is the one I mentioned in the keynote, and we showed a little bit in the last session that lets you create eBooks. And then this app is called Explain Everything and it is discounted with the volume purchase if you do that through the Apple's volume purchase plan. um, It's $3 otherwise, and um, it's very, very flexible. Um, Actually, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. There are multiple platforms for doing a narrated slideshow. How many of you have used VoiceThread? Has anybody used this before? VoiceThread has an app for the iPad. You can create so many free VoiceThreads. One of the benefits of VoiceThread is you can allow for commenting and you can have other people talk about pictures or talk about videos. Um, and, and so it's another platform. There's a book report uh, from a couple years ago that I that I have as an example. Um, what I think I want to do is just go ahead and jump over to my iPad and show you EduCreations and then show you um, Explain Everything. When you are going to create a narrated slideshow, one of the first things to think about is getting your pictures together and, and you know, getting organized. And I really like, as a technique, creating an album that has your pictures collected together. So this is a collection of five different pictures that were in that five-photo story about Little Red Riding Hood. Okay, and we put these into an album. What I'm going to do now as a demonstration is I'm going to I'm going to just do a quick little narrated slideshow um, about some of the about yesterday when I went to Dave's takeout. Um, So I have posted, I posted three pictures on Instagram um, that went to Facebook and went to Twitter. And and these three pictures are the ones that I'm going to use. How can I capture a picture that is here on my iPad? How do I get that into my photo roll? If it's on a web page, what do I do? Right, I'm going to save it. Well, let's just let's talk about laptop. If this was my laptop, what would I do to save that picture? I would right click it, or control click it if I don't have my two button mouse. Or now with the fancy trackpad, I could you know do the two finger two fingers at once. So with some web pages, you'll be able to do that. You can hold your finger down. And you can choose save. Now with Instagram, I can't do that. So what's another choice? How can I capture what's on my screen? Yes, the screenshot trick. And what? how do I do that with my iPad? What buttons do I push? That's right. I push both buttons at once. You have a home button on the top on the front. And then you have a power button. And so you're going to press them both at the same time. And my screen is going to flash. So it doesn't look like anything changed. But what actually happened is that screen was captured and put into my photo roll. So when I click on my sunflower, which is my my pictures, and I go into my photo roll, the last three pictures in my photo roll are, guess what, those screenshots. So that is kind of a no-nonsense, it'll pretty much work every time way to take something that's on the screen and put it in your photo roll. Because if you're going to do a narrated slideshow, you got to have your pictures. You know, we could take pictures, but we can also get them from the web. Now, how... Do I edit this, if I would want, so that I don't have all that extra stuff? I will click the edit button. Right. So as I'm in my photo roll, there's a button that says edit. And you can do different things, rotate, enhance, red eye, and crop. And so I'm going to tap the button that says crop, and that's going to let me drag corners... So that it just selects the part of the picture that I want. And I can crop and save it. So I'm just going to do this with these other two pictures. Again, a narrated slideshow project works really well with a five-photo story project. And you might think about doing that this year with your students. Rather than start with five-photo stories, you might say, here, we're going to be working on digital literacy. And we're going to be creating some things with our iPads. And to start out with, I want you to find five photos relating to the Pythagorean theorem or five photos relating to the water cycle or whatever it is that you're studying. You know, your kids could draw pictures. They don't have to take pictures. But the point is, in terms of building this narrated slideshow for whatever app I'm using, I need to get those pictures on my iPad. Now, I don't have to do this next step, but I recommend you put those pictures into an album. Why? Because I got a lot of pictures here and I get confused sometimes. And if I put my pictures in an album, that can help me be more organized. So the way that you do that is also with the edit button. When you're in the thumbnail view, again, where am I? What, What app am I in? Photos, okay, I'm in the Sunflower app, Pictures, this is built into everybody's iPad. This is called the thumbnail view. When you tap on an actual picture, you're seeing that image, but you can click back to photos or you can use two fingers and pinch together and go back to your photo view here. And when I tap edit, it lets me tap multiple pictures that I wanna do something with. This is the way, by the way, You can email more than one picture. If I wanted to turn these in, I click edit, tap on the pictures, and now I could share these pictures. I could email, and it's going to email however many pictures I have. Three pictures, five pictures, they're all attached to the same email, okay? What I'm going to do here, though, is I'm going to say add to a new album. And this is going to be uh, my day's seafood. What I'm demonstrating here is a workflow, it's a process for being able to create a product. And when you're here on the Mapping Media website, and I gave you my ebook too, right, which takes this step by step and has tutorial videos about how to do this, the workflow is, you know you're going to need to download the software and create an account. On an ongoing basis, you're going to be opening up your screencasting software and recording your screencast. But what did I not put in there as a, as a preliminary step? What have we just been doing? Getting our pictures, right? Right. So these are the steps. And I think it's helpful not only for us as teachers, but as we talk to students, too, about this process, is we can break down these steps. And I really like that phrase, workflow. Um, and I am I think I'm going to be creating, like, little classroom posters, little PDFs that you can print out to make that visual. Like, what are the steps? What am I going to have to do? Because it's not just open up the your screencasting app and, and go. You've you got to get prepared. Okay, these are the apps that I have in a folder I created called Narrated Slideshows. I'm going to show you, we've got about uh, seven minutes, EduCreations and Explain Everything. You can see show Me is another app that's here. There's VoiceThread. One that I have barely started to use, but I'm very excited about, is called Ask 3, and it allows you to reply back and forth. So you can have a student create a narrated slideshow, and then you can create one back to them. That's called Ask 3. But I'm going to show you EduCreations, and then I'm going to show you Explain Everything. With EduCreations, you need to create an account. And one of the awesome, awesome things about EduCreations is it's free, It works on laptops and desktop computers as well as the iPad. And it allows you to build multiple slide, narrated slideshows that can then be shared on an iPad or they can be shared on a website. So it's great for making a a digital portfolio for a a lesson. So um, (laughs) I'll play this one maybe. Hello. Do we have audio? The
1: three little kids constructed amazing structures of strong pigs, and bricks. But an evil bad wolf came and blew down two of the structures. But it blew down the brick house. So he got going and went down the table.
0: What's good about showing students and other teachers things that aren't perfect? It can give you permission to play and try, right? Because one of the biggest things we get, get caught up in is, oh my gosh, it's got to be perfect. And no, it doesn't have to be perfect. The more we create with this, the more we're going to learn, and the better we're going to become with communication. So here's how EduCreations works. And it's very similar to Explain Everything. And it's also is similar to what we saw earlier with Book Creator, if you were in my uh, first breakout. At the top, there's a little square or rectangle that looks like a mountain with a moon or a sun on it. That's the icon for pictures. Now, you can get pictures from different places. Where are we going to get our pictures from? From our photos, because that's why we went and got those. We collected them. But if they were in Dropbox or we wanted to take the picture, we could. But I'm going to say photos, and I have already made an album that I called Day Seafood. Where is it? Thank you. Okay. By the way, when you're showing this to students, do you have to be the one driving the iPad? No. Enlist the help of your students. Allow them to be driving the iPad and to be, you know, also going slow enough and not just zooming through. And then you can be there talking about it and saying, wait a minute, let's go back. You know, and and that that actually can be huge because then you're not the one like I just was. Where's Dave's Seafood? I can't see it. Right? They can be on the iPad. You can be talking about it. So I'm going to bring in my first picture. I can pinch to resize. I can also rotate if I wanted to change this. I'm going to be really basic here and simply... Put the picture in the middle of the screen. Okay, that's it. I'm not going to put any text. What do you think I would click on if I wanted to put text in? The T, right? And I can put in different colors of text. In fact, um, I have multiple colors, four show at a time. But it's kind of like my paint palette there. I can choose which one show. And so I can um, go ahead and put text on here if I want. But I'm not going to do that. What do you think I do to go to my next slide? Arrow, right there in the corner. Bottom right corner, there's an arrow. So now it creates a second slide for me. And I'm gonna repeat my steps. Picture, photos. If I don't I mean I can I I, I don't have to I can have it fill up the screen if I want to. That might be better. Depending on how high the resolution is, I may zoom in so much that it gets fuzzy. But, oops, I messed up. Um, how do I get rid of it? You think? X there on the on the bottom. Delete. So if you bring something in you don't want, you can delete it, and you can have more than more than one picture on the same slide. I'm just doing a very basic one picture per slide. Okay. How do you think I will record? Red record button, okay? The tools up here at the top are for inserting objects. The arrow that goes back is to undo, and there's an eraser. One of the best things they did in the last couple months with this app is they made it so you could pause. (laughs) And that may seem like a big deal, uh, or not a big deal, but it is. Um, And now you can pause. So students don't have to do this as one complete recording. They can record their first slide and then go on to the next one. The thing you can't do is just delete one slide. But um, here we go. I'm going to give this a shot. Yesterday, when I was near Yarmouth, Maine, I saw this sign. I'm going to pause it and go to the next slide. This was a sign outside Day's Takeout, which is one of the most amazing seafood places that I have probably ever been to in my short life. This was very expensive, and I will not admit to my wife how much it costs, I loved eating this lobster roll and eating clam chowder, drinking a root beer, and having rhubarb pie. Okay. So, how long was that? 30 seconds long. The disadvantage when I click done is if I've messed up and I say start over, guess what? It's all gone. It's all erased. Now, that's not a huge deal because my pictures are where? In my photos. And I can record again. But... This app costs how much? Nothing. It's free. So there are some disadvantages to it. Um, but I it's a lot better now that you can pause. So I'm going to call this day seafood. I'm going to put my name on it because one of the things that, especially if you use a class account, you're going to want your students to do is you know identify their their project by their name. I choose how I want to share this. Your students can join EduCreations, and you can just share it within your class. I'm going to actually choose to have this public, and then you choose a content area, and uh, I don't know, I'm just going to say that's other, and then I'm going to say save. And here's where it's a little magical. (laughs) I'll sound like a salesman. Um, What it's doing right now is uploading that video to the EduCreations website so that Anyone who has the link, since I said public, is going to be able to see that. And I can also share that link. So when I click on this little box with the arrow, I can click on the link, and I can copy the link. I can copy the embed code, and I can put that wherever I would like to share it. If I want to put that on our class website, if I want to put that in a newsletter to parents, I can play that. And this will not only play on the iPad, and if I'm on the iPad, it'll say tap to watch, but it will also share on a laptop. And I think I'm running out of time. Um, so we'll see if I can do this really quick. Because I'm intruding on our lunch. Yeah, All right, I'm just going to play it here.
1: I'll probably have lunch in my short life. This is very expensive, and I will not admit to my wife how much it cost. But I love eating this lobster roll and eating the firepower, drinking over here, and having a blue arm
0: Okay, so, um, that's it. What is your homework from me? I want you to play, and you get to play this afternoon, and I'm going to be here to help you. I will help you do EduCreations. It's free. We can download the app on your iPad. You can take some pictures or ones you already have, narrate those pictures, and see how this works. Because I'm confident as you play with the tool like EduCreations and you see how it works, you make a present for Mother's Day or Father's Day this year or birthday or whatever, Light bulbs will go off and you'll start to think, wow, my kids could do this. They could take this tool and, and show what they know in this way. And whatever content area it is, narrated slideshows, whether you're kindergarten or 12th grade, it's a good skill to have and a good tool to have in your toolkit. So thank you so much for your attention. Have a great lunch. You're listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents, an audio podcast channel including a variety of audio recordings by and recorded by Wesley Fryer, published for educators worldwide interested in free audio-based professional development. This is a supplementary podcast channel complementing Moving at the Speed of Creativity podcast, which typically includes longer and lightly edited or unedited audio recordings. Learn more and access these podcasts on audio.speedofcreativity.org. All content on this podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States License.